Welcome to your weekly dose of horror news and fun. This is Cherovision Horror Podcast, Episode 2, Now I'm Playing With Power. This is Monday the 18th of May. I'm your host, Dan the Limb Collector McGuinness, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Jennifer the Dream Warrior Strand. Hello, Jen. Hey, how's it going? Pretty, pretty good. I forgot to read my last line. Oh, damn it. I was oh, going. No. I was doing such a good intro. It was amazing. Uh, oh, no. It's a great intro. It Keep going. It. Keep going. Well, together we are two people who love horror and feel the burn of our obsolete blockbuster memberships. Ooh. Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so that's exactly what we are. So I guess we're just going to move straight over into Are we going to introduce ourselves again? Um, I'm pretty certain we introduced ourselves in the first episode. For those of you who haven't listened to the first episode, you can listen to it pretty much everywhere. You get to know who we are a little bit more. And then jump back into this one. So, yeah, there you go. That is true. You can hear us on all major podcasting services. You can also look find us over on YouTube, uh, back youtube.com backslash TerrorVisionPod. And I think that's about it. We have a Facebook page. We have an email if you want to email us cool things or just poke fun at us at TerrorVisionPod uh, at gmail.com. So let's get on with it, I reckon. How have you been, Jen? Good, actually. Like, it's been a slow week for horror news, I think, but uh, it's been a big week for watching horror. It has. Everything's been pretty weak for watching horror. Uh, everything's been great for watching recently, actually. Yeah, it's it's very true. I've it's it's been a smorgasbord of horror. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been going crazy on the older stuff and some of the newer stuff. But this week in horror, so horror news this week, we have five stories to talk about, and number one on the horror. Horror news is Netflix orders a comic book adaptation of Sweet Tooth. Okay, so I've not read this comic, so you're going to have to tell me a little bit about it and then go from there. Yeah, so based on a comic book written by um, Jeff Lemire, um, Jeff Lemire is an amazing writer. He has done some really dark... He, he's got a very dark style and it's not like... Um, it's not like he's like, you know, gory or dark for dark's sake. He uses dark elements within his stories that need to be there and complement the writing. He's very, very good. He does, um, he's been doing, you know, like lots of kind of stuff uh, for DC recently, but Sweet okay. Tooth was one of the ones he kind of started with, which is, it's been out for a while now. I couldn't tell you when it came out. It would have, it'd be going on, oh man, it'd be going on probably like, Probably like seven years ago or something. This comic book came out. The oh, series. Oh wow! Okay. I, I don't quote me on that, and I'm, uh, I won't. <laughs> and and so if, Netflix is basically just going through the back catalogue of comics, going, "What can we adapt today?" Hmm. Um. I mean, this isn't quite. It is a kind of a horror story. It's set post-apocalyptic. Um, people or kids and stuff uh, grow. There's a, like races of people that grow horns and or their little pigmen, pig pig people or stuff like that. There's also humans and stuff uh, um, existing in this world, and it comes up against some you know some pretty full on decisions in it. I'm not going to get into what Sweet Tooth is about as a comic book, but but Jeff Lemire as a writer, he is something else. That dude, he he wrote a comic called um, uh, recently I've been loving called uh, Black Hammer for the DC oh, yeah. for, for DC, and originally he he wrote this. He wrote Black Hammer a long time ago before he was famous, like imagining like what if I could do my own superhero team one day and like he's just so good now that he pulled it out and just went, I'm just going to do a superhero team for DC. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I know. He, he made it. He did it. And Black Hammer is an amazing story. So if you, if you ever get the opportunity to find Black Hammer, you can go to Greenlight Comics in Adelaide to my comic shop and buy it if you want. Plug, plug, plug. 
<laughs> well done. I love that. Uh, so it looks like it's being um, produced by Robert Downey Jr. So that's definitely going to get some pull. That will. And that, his team is called Team Downey? <laughs> like... Slightly. I don't know how to feel about that, but uh, let's not go into that. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. And it's also some dudes who did like, uh, some co-creators that did like, was it Arrow? Yeah, I think Arrow, uh, the Arrow showrunner Beth Beth Schwartz um, and Beth. Warner Brother TV. Oh, nice. So this, I mean, this is like borderlining on horror news, but we'll get into it. As you said, it has been a little bit of a slow, com- uh, a, uh, a slow horror news. But for people who like comic books and people who like dark, gritty, gnarly, post-apocalyptic kind of vibe, but not too post-apocalyptic, like um, decision-based, horrible things happening comics, this is definitely Sweet Tooth is a great comic for you. And it's because it's been out for a while, the whole thing's out. So if you want to binge it, you can just binge the whole comic series. Mm. But yeah. Sounds good, yeah. I don't think we've got much more, much more to say about that, do you? No, I mean, I've not read this the series, um, so I really I've got nothing to say about it. I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited. I'm excited. I, I like. I like. Um, did they say if it's going to be live action or is it going to be animated? It doesn't actually say. It just doesn't. I was assuming it was going to be a live action because, like, um, it just wouldn't lend itself very well to animation. I mean, it would. Jeff Lemire's art style. He is also the uh, the the artist on Sweet Tooth as well. So he's like, you know, the super skilled guy, artist, writer can do both. Um, but. I would say it would lend itself best. The visuals of what it is would lend itself to a live-action um, adaptation. Like As good, as cartoony as his art is, I feel it would just... Um, number one, people would think it would be for kids and then the kids would watch it and they'd be, like, traumatised. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and then... But, yeah, I think I would like to see it myself as, like, I want to see the kid with the horns coming out of his head, like the antlers. I want to see the yep. pig, pig kids and bear kids and beaver kids and stuff like that. And I want to see yeah, it do, okay. done well in a way that doesn't seem stupid. That will be your hardest thing to do it, like, in this. Like, yeah. Creating well, little... I guess... Sorry? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess when a lot of adaptations happen, you know, that's that's where people get really sort of picky and finicky about how it looks because if it doesn't translate to what is 100% in their mind, then they freak out, so... True, true, true. Hmm. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out for that. Have we got a date? When's it coming out? Or is it just like a, a, an early rumor we're, we're dealing with at the moment? Um, I'm, I think there was. It was originally um, handed to Hulu in 2018. Um, okay, didn't could... go forward, but I don't think there's any kind of release dates or anything like that. So I'm guessing they've just sort of announced it and they're working things out still. Man, DC is really getting um, heaps of their properties in TV shows, aren't they? Like DC and Vertigo. So you've got stuff like uh, iZombie, Lucifer, Preacher. I loved Preacher. That was such a good show. Um, I only got halfway through the first season. Yeah. Not because I didn't like it, just because I forgot about it and well, it didn't kind, go back to it. Well, it kind of only the second season is when the comics start. So that first season is like a weird prequel kind of thing that, you know what okay. I mean? It's kind of weird, yeah. The like the last episode of season one is where the comics kind of start, like which is like sure. uh, okay, because yeah, I was a bit like ah. like they do <laughs> they do you know like sprinkle in they just dust over some of the stuff that does happen in the comic in the first season, but uh, the, yep. ma- the majority of that kind of thing it, yeah it didn't really dig its teeth in until the second season. 
And then, sure. um, and then the third season is basically exactly the same as the book, which is great. Yeah, um, good. Anyhow, moving on. Let's move on to, to story on. number two. Ori- Oof, here's here's uh, a good one. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Original <laughs> Ghoulies creators hoping to get Sony on board with a franchise reboot. Now, this is from Bloody Disgusting. The one before was actually from Dead, uh, Deadline.com. We should mention that. So this yeah. was uh, uh, Bloody Disgusting put this one up just recently. I'm just going to go in there and have a look. So Ghoulies. Now, do you have any uh, do you have any Ghoulies history, Jen? I don't have to. It's it's always been one that the cover has fascinated me. I've just never gotten around to watching it. And it's funny enough that I'm like, shit, okay, I should probably check this film out, especially if we were going to talk about a little bit of it today. That way I could have some prior knowledge. Mm. And... I went to watch it on Stan, and they've just recently pulled it from Stan. So Blood, I bloody jerks. Left. What bastards! Um, so uh, I've got a lot. I've, I mean, I've, I've got a fairly big childhood chunk memory of Ghoulies. Ghoulies was the one, I, uh, the video shop cover that everyone remembered. It had the little yep. green man um, coming out of the toilet, like you know. Yep. And um, as a child, like yeah, that was the kind of thing that when I went to the toilet in the middle of the night and I used to lift up <laughs> up the toilet, I was just always sure there was going to be that ghouly little face looking up at me. Um, for those who don't know what the ghoulies are, they're just these, I don't know, they're little ghoulies. Like they're little, they're like gremlins. If gremlins were more kind of um, troll-based kind of things, yeah. more than... I'd, I'd say ghoulies are gremlins if gremlins was made by trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so what was it? 1995 because uh, it's, it's turned 35 this year. Oh, 35 years old for ghoulies. But, yeah, so that cover, it's, oh, man, like the blue the blue border of it with the little really oversaturated green little man, I think green ghoulie coming out of the top. The film itself is like, you know, give or take. You don't need it. <laughs> The second one and um, third one, second one, Ghoulies Go to College <laughs> oh <God. laughs> was, was, num- was number two. Not really worth it. Apparently it went up to four. I never saw the yeah. fourth one. Um, I believe that the fourth movie uh, was in 94 and that's sort of where it's been. So the franchise itself has just sort of been sitting around for the last 25 years collecting dust and I'm guessing that they just really want to sort of reboot it and... Get some cash grabbing in. The thing is, you know what hasn't been rebooted? Gremlins, right? You're going to reboot Gremlins before you reboot Ghoulies, eh? (laughs) I don't know. I I feel that there are certain films that are just, they're so good or so iconic that they're never going to get remade. Like, they've always been, like, whispers about a Gremlins uh, remake, but it's just one of those things that I don't think you can do it. I like here uh, in the article, uh, John Squires, the writer, writes, at the time of, of, of writing this, the petition has been signed for over 120 Ghoulies fans by 120 signatures. That's not anything. Oh, that is a lot of Ghoulies fans out there, guys. Uh, shit. 120? Wow. That, like you would, th- you'd expect, like you know, like, if something like w- with nostalgia attached to it, you're going to be getting in like the 120,000 signatures, or at least <laughs> at least 12,000 signatures. Not 120. Like it's like that's not enough. I, like clearly, no one actually really wants this. 120 I mean, people look, isn't enough for a studio to, to drop like a hundred thousand dollars on something. 
Um, if you are feeling very strongly about this, you can actually go to change.org and uh, sign the petition yourself. So far, 384 people have signed it. So oh, so just an update. So that 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 that's some pretty. Uh, this was uh, so this is done on the 13th of May. This article, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. In five days, they've nearly doubled their petition. No, what have they got? 300. 384. Ah, oh, so they've, they've, over, they've done it over. Yeah. It's still so not I think enough. their goal is to get to 500. But look, triple digits, that's pretty impressive. You think? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, um, ghoulies, it, yeah. was a, it was a love for me. But the, it's one of those films where we, the, the poster... The poster s- spoke to me. It's, it, it gave me, you know, an adventure in my mind. And when I saw the film, it was just like there were some snooze moments. I mean, it was okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just a, it's just well, a this is, flat this moment. This is just like a communion talk, how communion was one of those films that neither of us watched as kids, but the cover always fascinated and terrified us. And then we actually watched it together recently, and it wasn't that great. It was weird, wasn't it? It was like <laughs> it was very weird. It was more like when um, the main actor, what's that actor's name? Um, uh, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. He just went crazy. Like there were remember there was this yelling and stuff at the end. It was like <laughs> one of those. He went full Nicolas Cage, or maybe Nicolas Cage goes Walken. <laughs> uh, no, I, I still feel that. Yeah, even though that it was a however many years ago, it's I still say it was Walken going Cage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> going cage is definitely a, a definitely a thing, but yeah. So yeah, and I remember in that communion because it's got the aliens. It's the stereotypical grey aliens, you know, come in and look, look in your window like, oh, I'm gonna abduct you. Except they were kind of disguised as grey aliens. Do you remember? And then they like yeah. open their mouths up and they bit your face off and stuff, or <laughs> or yep. they did in a dream sequence, in a sexy dream sequence or something. It was weird, like. It, it was weird. I don't know how to feel after watching it. And that, they say, is more terrifying than Fire in the Sky, which I feel is a load of shit because Fire in the Sky was terrifying. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Well, Fire in the Sky was good. My, my most terrifying abduction film is the, the Fourth Kind. Have you seen that? Yeah, I watched that recently, actually. I, I'd seen it before, but... Um, With Miller. My... Oh yeah, that was that's just such a great film. I f- I felt that the way that they did all of that was just very creepy and like the contortionist and oh oh yeah. Did, would you call that a mockumentary? Film. Sorry. Would you call it a mockumentary? Because it's weird um, because it opens up with the high. I, I, she says I'm actress Mila Jovovich playing the roles of these real events that happens. I'm like, but it's not real. You know that it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would definitely probably put it under that mockumentary subgenre because, yeah, it's it's an actress playing a f- part that's actually fictional. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah mock, mockumentary sounds pretty good to me. In um, when I saw that the first time, I was um, I was, I was going through an emotional state, and I may have been oh. on like a drinking bender for like four days or oh. something. And I oh, actually, I watched it and then I finished my night on like, you know, a bottle of red wine, went to bed and then woke up at like in the middle of the night, had a full blown panic attack, woke up, thought the aliens were coming to get me and had to stay up to your minute, it's like 3.33 in the morning. Oh yeah. Okay. And like my wife's just sitting there going, it's, it's having a panic attack. It's all right. They're not coming. So I sat there for like 20 minutes because it was like just before 3.33. 
and I had it, you know, and then I eventually calmed down. The best thing was we were staying at someone else's house when this happened. <laughs> like, oh, no. Like, what the hell were you doing last night? Oh, the greys were coming to get me. Get this guy out of my house. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, it was a bit of a low moment in my life. I haven't, like, nothing, not, that's the only time ever I've had a full-blown panic attack. Like, and I, it was just. About aliens or just in general? In general. But, like, you know, that, that full-on that I thought it was actually going to happen. Like, that's, I, I, that's so, yeah, so I haven't actually watched the fourth kind since, but in my mind, it's it stuck with me as like that really affected me. That was great. <laughs> like, yeah, I just I thought it was a very well done film, and the way that the whole thing was portrayed was just very well done because a lot of like I mean, alien stuff gets to me more than anything else, and I don't know why that that's the case. It was probably because I was made to watch uh, War of the Worlds when I was like four, and that traumatized me. Um, not the Tom Cruise one, by the way. The uh, OG one um but yeah so I just anything that gets done like that just it does it sort of hits you on a different level oh I forgot that because back to the ghoulies which is what we were talking about originally oh yeah sorry guys I forgot that the ghoulie on the cover I'm just looking at the picture now remembering it he's wearing a little crop top and he's wearing suspenders (laughs) for some (laughs) reason like because he clearly doesn't have pants on I don't know what they're attached to but, well, uh, that begs the question, is he from Children of the Corn or is he a barista? He may be a barista. He doesn't have a beard and his hair is not slicked back, so he may not be a barista. <laughs> he may just be an ugly chud of a child. <laughs> but anyhow, let's move, let's move on to our number three, our number sure. three story. Did you want to read this one? We'll take, it in yes. turn. we'll take them in turns, I reckon. I love it. Uh, so the Suspiria filmmaker, uh, Luca Wadag, Nino? I'm so sorry. I'm terrible at pronouncing names. Guadagnino. Um, Guadagnino? Yes. Let's just not do that. Um, He is going to be directing a new take on Scarface written by the Coen brothers. I guess the only reason that this is considered horror news is because... Um, obviously, Luca did do uh, the Suspiria remake uh, that came out last year or 2018. I can't remember. Um, other than that, like oh, I, this, this one has me pretty divided, though. I think because I suppose, and Ethan Cohen. Like, yeah, I suppose first up, you have to just say, are you a Cohen Brothers fan? Movie? Like, do you like their other ones? I like some of them, not all of them. Which one do you like? They did Fargo, right? I think so. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Um, the one about the uh, where brother art thou? Is that them? Oh yeah, that was a good one. Oh damn, we're in a tat spot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I like those two films. I'm sure there's probably others on their list that I like, but I just I kind of feel that their style of film making and the way that they do things, I don't think that's really gonna translate to Scarface. See, Scarface to me, the original. Scarface has this huge following, um, you know, like as in, and I feel every time that I see the people who like Scarface and love him, love it for the wrong reasons. They for sure. they love it because of this character who you know says gives the middle finger to everyone and does his own thing and then shoots and then. But am I? He was horrible. He's not a person to like at all, and people love him. Like what was his yeah. name? Tony. What was his name? I can't remember. Um, Tony Montana. Movie. Tony Montana. Oh, there you go. Yep. Um, I, I've seen that film a couple of times, and the only thing I can tell you about that film, aside from that, you know, famous scene 
with the snorting of the cocaine and yeah. then say hello, say hello to my little friends. The only thing I remember about that is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer singing on a piano. There was also is it? I'm pretty sure there was also uh, a chainsaw scene, which was pretty good. Uh, yeah, that? I don't remember that. But uh, as I said, this isn't. We're, we're, we're scratching the surface on horror here. This, I wouldn't call this exactly horror. So we. No. But but yeah, I was. I I always felt like the reasons that my, what made Scarface a great film are still there. I just don't. Yeah. I just think the people. The reason why people. The majority of people who are Scarface fans don't like it for the reasons it's a good film. They like it because they want to be this guy with no responsibility who gets to shoot people and in their vision they think he has power and like, you know, I want you to get the power, you get the pussy and all that crap like that. They're people who believe in Tony Montana's way of life and you you see that because there are... There's those oh, uh, framed pictures of Scarface in those fellas' gift shops and shit like oh, that. Oh yeah. So that yeah, that generally t- right next to the Kramer ones. Yeah, or which are great by the way. Kramer's great. Now you know like the people who like really really love Scarface are people who probably also shop and get presents at Smoke Mart and stuff like. that. <laughs> so not saying I, I, as, as I said earlier though, disclaimer: Scarface is a great film. Yeah, I just yeah. don't like. The majority, 95% of the people who like it, it seems, are, in my opinion, cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know as well because, I mean, this was made in – so Scarface was made in the 80s and it was at that very sort of tumultuous time for just drug use and just gratuitous everything. I really don't think that you can. I mean, you'd have to either a set it in back in the eighties, definitely, or like there are so many questions raised as to how they can go about doing this. I think, and that for me, you know, the director and the writers, I, I just don't know. It just throws me. The Coen Brothers are are not shy to do a period piece. They've done it before. Um, True. So they could do it again. They could pull it off. If anyone is going to pull off Scarface, it will probably be the Coen Brothers. Like when you think right. about it, like other people. I mean, I imagine Michael Bay got it. <laughs> no, just no, no. I'm out. It'd, no. Yeah, it'd just be ridiculous. But like <laughs> that, they they could bring the grittiness of his character and show the the horribleness and the vulnerability of Tony Montana to the screen of of this and go deep into like his uh. His uh his breakdown and his like psyches and stuff like that, but and they could do that, and I want to yeah. see them do that, and I want and and I know that if they do do that and they do achieve a really good film out of this, none of these people that like Scarface the original are gonna like it. So oh, we will probably love it. It'll probably be Pro- great. Likely, it'll be something that we'll sit here and be like, man, that was a damn good film. Um, but yeah, it's I don't think it's gonna be received well. No, by it's probably the crowd it's probably going to be a future classic like people won't like it and then in like three years time people are going to look back at it and go how good is that you know what i mean like yeah definitely future classics that's what you come here to a television horror podcast for the future classics (laughs) future classics that were made in 1983 guys all right let's move on to our next story number four amc acquired the rights to Anne rice's literary works (laughs) yeah Uh, this one so this is from amc.com so let's yeah. uh, you can uh, lead this. I'm not familiar with uh, all of Anne, Anne Rice's uh, the Vampire Chronicles, the yeah, lives so of, in, the lives of the, the Mayfair witches. 
Yeah, so essentially um, AMC have acquired the literary uh, rights to all of her work. So they they now stand to be able to make The Vampire Chronicles, The Lives of the Mayweather Witches. Uh, I oh. can say that I've seen... Queen of the Damned. I, yeah, I saw Queen of the Damned and I saw Interview with the Vampire. I don't think I've actually read any of her books. Um, but I will say right now, and I'm calling it because I was talking about this uh, months ago... Um, I feel that if they were to, if anyone was to pick up the rights to the Vampire Chronicles, that uh, millennial hunker spunk Timothy, is it Charlemagne? Charlemagne? I, um, I don't know how to say his name. Yeah, that, that a, young, definitely a hunker guy spunk. That, he is a millennial hunker spunk. Yep. Um, he is one hundred percent the first person that comes to mind to play like a Lestat or a. Um, vampire of some kind because he's just got that look. See, I, so I'm calling. I'm calling it now, guys. See, I um, I there's a whole bunch of vampire-y things that could possibly come out of this. It's about time we get Alexander Skarsgård back in the role of a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty much True Blood when it came out. In my opinion, the uh, those first seasons, the only thing reason worth watching that show was to see Alexander Skarsgård in that show. Um gotta say huge man crush on that too he's just the best and i want to see him reprise the role of a vampire he plays a gangly beautiful vampire so well interesting interesting apart Uh, apart from we all know tilda swinton is the best vampire in the entire world it's true like guys there's no competition but tilda swinton uh plays everything perfectly and any films that she has or has not done she is perfect so it's true it's true did you see her as a vampire in what we do in the Shadows TV show? I haven't watched the TV show. Um, I I saw the film and I feel that I'm one of the only few people on this planet who kind of walked away from it going, eh. Not enough gore? It, eh. And, I mean, I like I love uh, Taika Watiti. I like his work. But, eh. It didn't roll, didn't roll with you? It, it didn't. And I, I feel that I, I owe it to myself and the people that, give me a lot of hate for it to sort of watch it again but um because i I hear a lot of things about the tv series and they're like the tv series is hands down better than the movie and it's it's on the list i'll get there what did you think of amc's handling of the walking dead uh i watched the first season of the walking dead and then (laughs) tapped out it's it's a video game tv show every episode is the same fucking thing oh there's an obstacle we've got to Get out of the obstacle. Man, you we would... got out of the obstacle. You would hate End the comics, story. man. The comics are just like <laughs> a, a talkathon. Like <laughs> the yeah, um No. The The Walking Dead for me was okay. I feel like they only kind of like we found their stride after they broke completely away from the comics kind of thing. Like tried to do their own thing. Um yeah. which some people didn't like. The bit that I couldn't stand in The Walking Dead was was season two. They did a whole season at a farmhouse, and yep. in the comic that was like twelve pages, and they pulled a whole season out into this one little location. Um, mm. I think it might have been from uh, problems with uh, budgeting at the time or something like that. Yeah, okay. But it was really noticeable, I thought, and I went, "Oh my god, I can't do this!" And, I, and it was horrible. But in the end, it found its footing, uh, found its own vibe. People liked it. Um, I gotta admit that I tapped out. I didn't get all the way to the end. I didn't need to get to the end. Um, but yeah, they did visually what they did. It looked nice. You know what I mean? Like 
it, it oh, didn't, yeah. it didn't look know, like a piece of shit. No. I mean, all the special effects was great. Um, the, the characters, they looked dirty enough, I guess. <laughs> There's nothing worse than watching a post-apocalyptic film and everyone's all clean and... It's like, you do not look like that after being outside for six to 12 months. It's like everyone in, like, um, the hu- the Hunger Games is <laughs> so clean yeah. all the time and, like, beautiful. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, not poor. Post-apoc- don't sleep outside. Yeah, post-apocalyptic. Yeah, Lenny Kravitz. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> Woody Harrelson. I suppose they were the rich people. But, anyhow, um, we, gotta, we, we, we should keep an eye on this, like, Let's see what the Vampire Chronicles are like. Let's not like, you know, let, let's not. Like, I, the one I'm most, probably the Witching Hour would probably be the most one I'm interested in and maybe uh, 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 Queen of the Damned. I don't know what the Vampire, um, I don't even know what that name, that word is. Lestat? Lestat. So yeah. basically Lestat is Tom Cruise's character in the interview with the Vampire movie. He's the one that makes Louis. He's the he's oh. like the vampire guy. So the Vampire Lestat basically is like a prequel. Uh, him- or a sequel? Uh, I think it's a sequel, actually. It's it's him in the future. Oh. Living his best vampire life. So that's never had a film made out of it or anything. I've never. Uh, I don't even know. No, I don't think so. They might have. Well, they've got a bit of bit of cool stuff there. Yeah, well, there's something there to it. But there's until... a lot. There's 18 titles. So we're going to see a lot of vampires. Vampires are making a comeback. Oh, this is good. This is good. Yeah, there is a lot of titles, isn't there? Yeah. Oh man, some of them are going to be so bad, and we will report on them, and you will get you will hear it first after you've that's read it right. on another website. <laughs> on cool, cool. Okay, so let's move on to our last news article. You're right; the horror hasn't been a very, uh, um, but this is a, a pure horror story. This one, number five from BloodyDisgusting.com. We have. Um, you can read this one. Uh, so, Scream star Matthew Lillard. has stated that he would happily return for an upcoming sequel. So this is is building on our first story of Neve in talks. Now Lillard is like... Yeah, this one I've been following pretty closely because it's kind of divided the horror community a little bit because you've got all the people saying, oh, he fucking died. Yeah, I guess he died. They dropped the TV on him. Ah, uh, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that it kills you. It means nothing in a horror film. Well, in, um, a, in a horror film, he could go into the television and become television. He could become the poltergeist ghost, come out and grab people as a, as the scream killer. There you go. <laughs> I would watch that. Oh, yeah. So would I. Especially if it had um, scream written on it. Well, yeah, 100%. So because they never, you never saw him actually die when you you left, he was sort of just making like uh, noises with the TV on his face. That is true. Um they never went back to it. They never sort of addressed that he had died. Um, so they never actually said in the film that both the, the, the young boys died. They were just like, you did it, Sydney. <laughs> you, you beat the bad kids. You're number kid. one. <laughs> yeah, you beat the bad kids. Um, um, yeah, so, I mean, the funny little tidbit is uh, Matthew Lillard can actually be seen in Scream 2 when they're at the sorority party. He can be seen sort of floating around in the background because he was dating someone at the time, I can't remember who it was. Um, so he was actually an extra. So if you want to get all technical, you could be like, well, he was there. She just never saw him. What do you mean if you want to get technical? He was there. That's the second film. His character. Yeah. Did they give him a new name? Or was he just a background character? 
He was just a background character because he was like on set with his uh, whoever it was he was dating at the time, and they're like, "Oh, did you just go stand here?" And he's like, "Okay." Seems like a massive continuity break. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think he was ever really meant to be noticed, but yeah. So the guy who played Billy, do you remember him? He was the other guy. Yeah, yeah, Skeet. His real name is Skeet. Yes. S K E E T Elric. Wait, that's yes. not a name. Is that like short for Skeeter? Skeeter? I I honestly hope it's not. But I mean, he's going to be pushing 45, close to late 40s now. You should not still be called Skeet. Well, you have Change you s- your name. The guy, um, um, uh, what, 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 what's his name? Um, Lillard guy. He, what he looks like now, he does look a lot different. He wears glasses now. He uh, he has uh, he has lost a lot of hair, so he's 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 chosen yeah. for the Bruce Willis look. And um, yeah, I, I I don't know, like bring him. You could bring him in, but I I feel I feel primarily it should always be children, like teenagers in the in these scream films. Like I don't want to see an old man, you know, no. stabbing up a young chick. No, it's I see enough probably- out in the Cosby Show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, he's what has Matthew Lillard done? I mean, he's in. I think he's in that TV show, the the Good Girls, or I don't know that show with that lady and that other lady and the lady from the office. Um, I don't know. It's not. It's nothing um, to do with horror. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, right. Um, and he he's so he's just so butthurt about this whole Scooby Doo thing because he, you know, he was Shaggy mm. in the live action movies and he did a great job. Like he was. So good at it. But then they decided to do the an, an animated movie. They didn't ask him to come back. Is that Scoop? Um, and then Scoop, yep. And then they uh, talk all the talks that they have to do any more Scooby-Doo stuff. They're just like, we don't want you. And so I feel that he's kind of like, oh, but I'm getting older. That's like when uh, that's life? like when Netflix re edit re uh, got their rights for Evangelion and then didn't cast any of the original English voice actors who have been those characters for thirty five years. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, what I, what what are you doing? Like, I'm sick of hearing about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I still I, never w- watched Evangelion, but yeah, I'm sick of hearing about that. Yeah, you should be, um, <laughs> and I understand that. Let's move on. That's the end of news for this week. Let's move on to our next section. Is what have we been watching? This is my favourite section. This is where me and Jen go through the horror of the week that we have been looking at with our own little piggy eyes. Um, yeah, yeah. So first up, I'm going to go because we have both watched this film this week. We, yeah. uh, um, I am a hero. It is called not as I called it for the first like year of my life. I am hero because I didn't notice there was an A in there. <laughs> <laughs> so yep. this, so this is a. Um, a Japanese film based on a uh, very popular manga, uh, and the, who I can't remember the name of the manga artist. I'm not going to try. But the director of the film is Shunsuke uh, Saito. He's a, so he's primarily known as a an anime live action filmmaker. He did like the Death Note films that you've seen probably. He did the Gantz films. He did that just recent Bleach film. Um, he did the Library Wars films. There's a whole bunch of them. They're all they're all based on animes. They all, a uh, manga, sorry. They all seem quite tinny, and they just seem like they are. But you know, you got you got this giant story that you have to tell, and you have to you have to jam it into an hour and a half. So you know, they always seem kind of like they never flesh anything out. Whereas this one worked really well. Did you enjoy it, Jen? I loved this film, and I have to say, like, I'm pretty. I am ignorant because 
Foreign films are never my go-to because I don't have the attention span to focus on what's happening plus read. And that's just me. Nothing I'm not against because we've watched two foreign films this week. Yeah, you've had a crash course in it. They have hands down been my favorite films that I've seen in a in a long while. So I, I absolutely love this film and I, I think I recommended it to like three or four people within a very small small amount of time. So So did I. I really, I really like it. And do you know why I liked it? I was hoping it was just going to be this good. This film, like, you know, everyone talks about, like, uh, Train to Busan and all those films as being, you know, visionary zombie, like, a different look at it. And I'm like, this is it. And no one talked about this. This came out, when did it come out? 2015. 2015. Why hadn't I heard about this before this time, this film? Like that? Um, And just for the people, it is called I Am a Hero. (laughs) Like, it's not I'm a hero, it's I Am a Hero. Um. So let's get into the film a bit. You 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 can get into what, what go, Jen. Okay, so uh, basically the film uh, is surround is sets itself around uh, Hideo Suzuki. Uh, he's a thirty five year old mangaka assistant. Um, for those who don't life- know what for those who don't know what that is, what is that? I think he's he's like a manga artist, but he's not top tier manga artist he's yeah. like so he, he draws draw the background yeah he draws comics so mangaka might be a bit of a uh, a weird word to most people <laughs> yeah sorry guys um so he so he's basically like just this losery useless guy who had aspirations and dreams and didn't sort of you know follow them and it they're unfulfilled um hmm. So he, he ends up, like, he has all these strange sort of hallucinations, uh, which I feel are like hallucinations of grandeur throughout the film as well. So you could be getting to this really intense scene and then all of a sudden, oh, it's just him hallucinating. And you're like, yeah, like fuck it, you. Yeah, fuck he, you, Hideo. Yeah, that, um, that classic examples were like when he was like hiding in a locker and he kept going <laughs> through the hypothetical situations <laughs> of like how he was going to jump out of the locker and attack these like uh, monsters on the outside of it. But like even in his like uh, hallucinations, he kept losing. <laughs> like it was amazing. Yep. yep. So every scenario, and it, it, it turned out the exact way I knew it was going to. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't think I should spoil it for you. I just act- leave the locker, but. I actually thought that that, that first one uh, that had happened to him because the film did take turns that I didn't think it was going to take, you know. So it is classic. Yeah. It is classic zombies. Uh, yeah. It's a zombie so outbreak. Yeah. Um, he is one of the only, very, very few people in Japan that actually own a gun. So he is this guy who has a gun during a zombie apocalypse in Japan. Uh, the zombies are, co- are called uh, ZQN. Uh, and they're actually a very fascinating design as well, I thought. Yeah, there was a couple of sorts of them I liked. Yeah, so they were all sort of living in their past memories. So, you know, as they're sort of going around, they're sort of mumbling these phrases, like one they... guy's on the phone or something. Yeah, like, one's like, oh, looks like he's hello. on a train going to work, looking at his watch and yeah. he's a zombie. Yeah, that was very, very cool and very cute. And it made for some really funny moments in it. Yeah, it did. Like there was a very nice balance of comedy to gore horror ratio. And Japan are really generally, like I feel that they're funny. They've yeah. got a great sense of humor. Mm. Um, so, and I, I absolutely loved the designs of the zombies. Um, when Teko died, uh, so Teko was his girlfriend, and of course she dies. The way she contorts her body and like crawls around on the floor, and just sort of like 
trying to attack him through the door, I, it gave me a very Evil Dead sort of Deadite yeah. vibe to it because the way it was done was just so hilarious. And but also like, holy fuck, like oh my god, get out of there! Like you're gonna die. Well, that that was the um, main thing when I because I've actually read the manga as well. Like um, you noticed right. in it, there were certain types of zombies who didn't consider themselves people anymore, um, mm. and they would just so they wouldn't walk. They would just traverse the environment any way they could so they yeah. would like walk backwards upside down spinning you know rolling and that's what she did and it showed a couple of them in it as well did you notice like yeah the, 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 the spider crawling a- across the ground that, yeah that yeah those, those so those sorts are a bit more in the comics but obviously you had to mush it down but yeah it's amazing the idea of like yeah just like the idea that they just get you any way they can it doesn't matter if they're upside down it doesn't matter if their head's behind them you know what i mean like they're just like <laughs> <laughs> it was great um, like the eyes as well. So when they were turning, not only did the eyes change, but they kind of did that Pennywise sort of going out into opposite directions. And yeah. then you just see the pupils just sort of dissolve into this. Yeah. Mess. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, um, no, and, I, like, and so the, good. the instant zombie as well, like it only took seconds like yeah. for people to become it. And that there's an amazing taxi scene when they're in and the guy turns in whilst they're in the taxi. And I was yeah. like, this is crazy when I was watching that. And then, like, the, uh, yeah, and it kind of like the people who, like, they kind of repeat past memories, but it's almost like it's the memory that was affecting them the most. So a lot of them are, like, these worried memories. Uh, yeah. It's, it's weird, like, like that the, the, the businessman guy, his, his thing, he was like, I have to cancel, I have to redo my whole schedule. Like, <laughs> there's zombies like running towards you trying to kill you and they're going hello how are you yeah. <laughs> like it's so good the, like, the guy that owned the boutique and he's like that oh that's my wife and she's like trying to get into the shop she's like i came to shop i came to shop yeah the zombie oh. it's, i know that sounds so stupid but it was very violent as well like the the uh it had did you get a vibe from that ambit with what we don't want to get into but like you got you got i almost got brain dead um your dead, yeah. al- dead alive vibe at the end, and I'm pretty sure a lot of that was like visual effects as well. Yeah, like, yeah, like, definitely. Like that, the exploding. Spoiler alert, guys! Heads explode. It's great. Yeah, when heads um, explode. Whew. Oh my lord! Like and like, it seemed like there was enough splatter. mass of growth that when they exploded, it seemed like it was like everything was in there. You know what I mean? And everything came out. And the right there was the right amount of like ridiculous amount of blood everywhere. Like I never looked at it and went. You know, sometimes you look in horror movies, you're like, well, there'll be heaps more blood than that. You know what I mean? It, I never <laughs> I never thought that in this film, eh? I was like, whoa. Yeah, no, I'm like, that's a copious amount of blood. I'm happy with that amount of blood. Yeah, and like there's, I think there was a brain, the brains you can see pulsating in the heads and shit. And like, and I was just like, this is awesome. It did have a yeah. bit of a lull in the middle. I thought two hours was a little bit too long. Um, yeah, there didn't need to be certain sequences or they could have at least like chopped them down a little bit i thought mm. um i'm wondering but, if I mean, we're gonna go for a second one because there were some like storylines that like didn't really get finished i felt with the girl who was like half zombie or whatever yeah i was like what what i'm kind of it's like that little japanese man in the simpsons standing next is like oh come on i'm just waiting for him to do something and as soon as you close the door he does something yeah. But she just did nothing. I'm like, well, she did. So- she did something at the start when they first introduced her. She did. Showing she had like superpowers, and then and then yeah. I was like, but, but 
a lot of the time I thought this is the moment that she's going to get them out of this and it never happened. And I was really happy with that. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Got it out. meant that he was the hero. Because like I said, he, he's the only one with a gun. So it was a, when we say gun, it's like a, it was a super powerful clay pigeon gun. So he was a clay pigeon shooter and that's the only yeah. reason he had. And he, I, I like the fact that he stuck to, you can't use my gun. Why not? Because you it's don't have a law. license. It's the law. And he had his license still? Like, well, very- even when he's like, you know, his girlfriend has kicked him out of the house, like all this stuff's being thrown out. She slammed the door in his face and he's like, Teko, Teko, come on. At least pass me my license. Yeah. It's like, not please let me in. I love you. Why are you doing this? It's give me my license. I can't have my gun without my license. Yeah. And because those clay pigeon guns, uh, you can imagine shooting a clay pigeon in real life, right? So a clay pigeon is a little tiny thing that you have to shoot really quickly with a shotgun. So their spread in their bullets are really wide and they're really aggressive. So that's yeah. why that gun was so horribly powerful. Um, and they use like the, the blue shotgun shells instead of the red. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you're looking at like, and yeah, when you saw some of those shots, man, I was like, oh shit, are they just shooting? Have they just made complete zombies and shoot them? I think they did because I kind of feel that they did. Well, there's a little little tidbit in that film that um, all the like there's a mall scene where they have to they hold up in a mall for a while. Uh, the mall scene was actually filmed completely in South Korea because of the gun laws in Japan that they wouldn't let them shoot because the gun laws are so full on they wouldn't let them use a gun in the in the film. So they had to travel all the way to South Korea, find an abandoned mall, hire it, and then like do all the shooting scenes in the mall. That's like yeah. so. That was actual gun the whole time. It's a real gun, which is crazy yeah. to think. I, it's not even a prop gun that whole time. <laughs> no, I liked it. I, one of the other things I I did sort of like because uh, one of the main sort of bad characters. He's I think his name was Lou. He was wearing overalls the whole time, and it was he was he was evil, and he was just like he had a face that you wanted to punch. He and the whole time I'm just like, dude. Unless you're a mechanic or five years old, you should not be wearing overalls. And I mean, look, but something they... happens to him. Yeah, you and he re- he fucking reverts to like this five year old chasing a woman around, screaming "mummy," and I'm like, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that yeah. as well. I was like, why yeah. Yeah, you dress so weird? And so, oh, and he wasn't just like there were bad guys in it, other bad guys, but they were just dickheads. Yeah, and like one of the dickheads, dickheads became like it did the classic Japanese. Was on their side. For, did a Vegeta on them, and that that guy, <laughs> like he was just on their side for the like the whole time, and had like a kind of a hero death. Like yeah, he it, did. It was it was sad. Um, but like up until that point, you hated him because he was a dickhead. But yeah, yeah. they did a real good job of that. I thought. Um, anyhow, great film. I am a hero. Yeah. Um, Definitely. I think the one thing I will say is like I am someone who, and I won't boil the ending necessarily. But I will say that, you know, I'm someone who does like a bleak ending and I was kind of like really hoping that this one wasn't going to be bleak. <laughs> oh, I, did, I, I, I did like the, the opening of it was amazing. Like when the breakout, the zombie apocalypse happened, I was like, this is sick, but there's no way they can keep this up. And they didn't, yeah. but it had a lull. But then the end came back up again into another amazing moment that I was like, oh, y- you did it. Because like... A lot of times I get like the you know like what was it the the remake of it was it Day of the Dead it had that amazing opening and then like it just fell apart like yeah half, just loses it where and I thought oh this film's gonna do that because this 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 start is so powerful and good but yeah 
And maybe the middle wasn't a lull. Maybe the middle was just that it was just normal in the middle and it's just the start and end are so good that, like, because there was interesting stuff happening at all moments. Like, yeah, uh, there, I think at no point was there something that wasn't introducing you to the possibility of something else. Mm, great film. Anyhow, yeah. what did you give it? What What did you give it? I'm trying to find my... Uh, I gave it a four. A four? I gave it a four as well. Yep. That's good. I gave it a four. Nice, nice. Definitely now, go watch it. Now, what else have you been watching? Oh, what have I... Well... Uh, so I watched uh, Gretel and Hansel this week. Um, so it came out this year. It's directed by Oz Perkins. He also directed uh, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the Wall, which I haven't watched, but one day I'll get to it. It's a, gr- um, it's a great name for a film. but Yeah, it's, it's kind of like one of those uh, manga titles that just gets super, super long. Yeah. Um, but so basically it's like it's the tale of Hansel and Gretel, but the reason why they change the names around is because she's slightly older. Um, so they basically, you know, you know the story, like they go out into the woods, um, desperate, they searching for food, and they stumble upon a witch's house where there's a witch. And is it made out of candy? Did that happen in Hansel and Gretel? Yeah, that is Hansel and Gretel. It didn't happen in this, but there was always food. So um, I'm not going to give too much about that away because I really think that people should give this a watch. Oh, really? Um, it, al- it also stars uh, Sophia Lillis, who um, she was Beverly Marsh in the, the child version of Beverly Marsh in It, and she's in that series on Netflix, I'm Not Okay With This. Um, oh, yep. The one thing... Which is, based on, say, which is based on a graphic novel. Yes, it is, isn't it? Yep. Um, the one thing I will say about this is it was produced by Orion Pictures. Um, it was absolutely like the forest scene. It was very aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing. The cinematography was great. I feel that it was the redheaded cousin of an A24 film. I feel that if this was Ooh. in the hands of A24 it would have been so much better. Right. And that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it in any way, shape, or form. I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. Was slightly disappointed by the ending, um, but, yeah. You're right. Uh, soundtrack was great as well. So it was uh, done by a Paris-based composer called Rob, um, who did <laughs> the Maniac soundtrack. So it was basically like a lot of electronic soundscapes, which... It's actually surprisingly slotted in for a period film. That's good. The um so, the poster's amazing, like with the uh, the tree that says feed in the branches. I I, I really yeah. appreciated that. And a bit of a bit of a triangle. Always a fan of a triangle. Yeah, and I really like the design of the witch as well. So they didn't go because obviously like nowadays with films you can't just have like this the Wizard of Oz style yeah. witch. With a pointy you hat. Make it, yeah, you she did have a little bit of a pointy hat though. Um, but I really liked the design of her. It was very subtle. Like she was sort of this tall elderly woman, um, all just in black, like a very fitted black dress and her fingers up to the knuckle were all black as well. So that was the only way that sort of made it a bit sinister, but yeah, like I really enjoyed it. So I gave that one two and a half. Is it gory? There are some moments. With the gore. You, would, you wouldn't um, call it a gore film, though. 
I wouldn't call it a gore film, no. Like uh, it it was just very enjoyable, but it was what, it was more like a slow burn sort of horror. What genre would you call it from our new uh horror genre and subgenre uh skill Ooh. tree that we've got now? Would you go mm. paranormal? Witches in I'd, a cult? Yeah, I'd say witches in a cult, paranormal kind of film. Okay. I get yeah. it. I get it. So yeah, pro- definitely pro- worth a watch. So we probably can't go over everything we've been watching this week. So I also watched Army of Darkness. Um, yep. I, I'm not going to get into Army of Darkness because we could, I could do a whole show on Army of Darkness. <laughs> I it, think we should. Yeah, I, we will probably soon. Uh, Evil Dead 3, I watched that one. Um, did you want to mention a couple more that you've mentioned? Because I want to get on to our movie of the week that we watched. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so I also watched uh, House on Haunted Hill, the 1999 remake of the William Castle film. So we did talk about that very briefly. Um, I was just watching that for fun. Just chuck it on while I'm folding the washing. Uh, I also watched The Haunted World of El Superbisto again, one of my favourite sort of films uh, directed by Rob Zombie. A lot of people hate it. I love it. It is uh, So it's inspired by a lot of Ralph Bakshi, who did uh, Fritz the Cat. Uh, it's inspired by Ren and Stimpy and Groovy Ghoulies. Is it a cartoon? It's, it is a cartoon. It's overtly sexual, um, just gratuitously violent. There's, there's nudity. There's just ridiculousness everywhere. It's kind of like if SpongeBob was filthy. I always get people coming in and asking for the comic of it. Well, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got the comic as well. So, uh, But I love Rob Zombie. Uh, we won't talk about his latest film because that hurts my soul a little bit. But what was that called? Yeah, this, Which one? Uh, the Three from Hell. Oh, yeah, because I was working my way up to watching that because I was excited and then you're like... <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that was, like, was oh, my man. professional response to that one. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, again, like a lot of people, it got panned. It was just, everyone hated it. But for me, it's just a lot of fun. And whenever I'm feeling like slightly down or stressed, I'll just chuck it on. And it always makes me feel slightly better. And Rosaria Dawson's in it. She does a voice um, of this just disgusting stripper. And I love it so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. So originally our movie of the week was going to be um, uh, Save, Save the Green Planet. But me and you both couldn't find a copy of it. Oh, my God. Yep. Yeah, um, it was so, a trial and error. So we moved on to our second um, uh, choice, and I'm so glad we did, uh, oh, yeah. of House. No, not, not House as in the house you watched last week. The yeah. House, the 1977 Japanese horror film. Um, oh. Is it 77 or 71? It was 1977. Oh, I got it. Yes, I got it wrong. I said it to you the mm. other day. That's okay. That's okay. Um, I'll forgive you. Now the reason we kind of we chose this one is because um, I number one I've always wanted to watch this. This comes up in my world a fair lot. This, this movie, there's, yeah. there's always um, people doing graphic designs about it. People are always redesigning the poster, um, and I see so many good designs that people don't of this film, like redesigns of the poster and just like homages and like stuff like that. So I thought this must be worth watching. And oh my god, was this film worth watching? This I was just so good. Oh, I had such a hard time getting this film as well. I was having a hard time. So the copy that I got, the subtitles weren't working. In the end, I found a streaming service that had it. So I oh, I, I watched it and I immediately just sort of, I was, what the fuck did I just watch? And can I watch it again? Right I know. I, I felt like that straight away as well. Um, So it's directed, I cannot say this guy's name. Do you want to have a go at it, Jen? Uh, it's, I think it's Nobuhiki Ob- 
Obayashi. Nobuhiki Obayashi. And he died in April 10th, 2020. Yeah, so he recently did pass away, which is uh, sad to hear. Um, He's a pretty prominent Japanese director now, so that's kind of glad that we're having a bit of a chat about him now as well. So 1977, how many years ago is that? I can't do maths in my head. Uh, oh, you're man. asking me to do math in my head? I don't know. That's not. Um, so you've Probably got something years ago. So you've got it in here in your notes. Directed, uh, distributed by Toho. Why is that relevant? Why isn't it relevant? Toho what... do heaps of stuff. Yes. Yeah. I, I like don't. Godzilla. Yeah, so it's in that kind of like vein of what's happening. So the story yeah. of this film, it's going to give you the light, quick version. So there's a girl who, um, her name, oh, first I'm going to mention the, the names of the characters. Oh, the fucking names, yeah. So it, is it seven girls or something like that? There are seven girls in total. Seven girls in total. They basically, they so the main character, the main girl whose name is Gorgeous, she yep. um, invites her friends, her six friends to, um, at, to what is it? It's like, uh, it's to her, her aunt's um, ancestral home. So it's yeah. like basically, yeah, her family home. And she hasn't seen her aunt in many, many, many years. Um, and her, she invites her friends. So I'll just name off her friends. So her six friends are Prof, as in Professor. professor. Melody, which is not that weird these days. Mac, who is the um, token fat girl in the film. Who is not fat. Whatsoever. She is not <laughs> fat at all. She is just slightly bigger than all the thin stick girls in this movie. Like, <laughs> Yeah. She's probably got, you know, three or four kilos on top of the other girls. That's it. Yeah. There's nothing fat about her. Then they have Fantasy uh, and then a girl named Kung Fu and the last girl's name <laughs> is Sweet. Uh, <laughs> they all kind of had traits of their names in a weird way, which makes no sense whatsoever. Anyhow, the film opens and straight away you realise this film has got something to say. This film is not... As someone who is an edit, has done a lot of editing in his life, there are edit techniques in this film that I have never seen ever. Um, no. To give it's you a lot of blue screen work. Yeah. Well, just to give you an example, so you open up, it's a four to three uh, film because it's in 1977. But then within that four to three frame, there is another four to three, three frame, which is smaller. So it's like, let, uh, you know, it's got a, a board around the outside. There's some stuff happening in that frame, like a girl in front of some candles and like cutting between another girl taking photos of her and she looks scary and it's in black and white. Then a background comes into the background, which is a still shot background. And then as the four to three shot moves, the timing of the four to three shot matches up with the background and then they both blend into the same picture. And you're like, what? Yeah. Why was that there? The reason is... There is no reason. Whoever edited this film just went nuts on editing techniques, weird stuff that you'd never expect, and it never, ever lets up. Every single scene in this um, film continually, like, keeps you going. Like, There's a lot of uh, old films that I watch where I get a little bit bored in them because I'm like, you know, it's a different time, stuff was slow. This film is, like, every single scene had really creative, ridiculous ideas. You just watched it to see what would happen next and anything could happen next because at first it doesn't seem like it's very horror and then there's some full full, full tilt weird stuff that happens in this film. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 
I would like to say it's it's kind of so the first opening uh maybe the first like quarter of the film is basically like a uh, sort of 1980s 90s sitcom opening paired with a mentos or cocad <laughs> yes. but that coke is definitely laced with some form of psychedelic drug and then you just send them out into this what what the hell because a lot of what he did like all the backgrounds they didn't need to be done the way he did he was just painting backdrops putting them into these backdrops that just did not need to be like that overly saturated blue skies uh where she's visiting her dad was kind of like a bold and the beautiful yeah which was all shot through a glass wall like yeah. from the other side, so like it was one of those square plank glasses that have like beveled edges, so it, it distorts uh, the like the 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 picture, and it just shot the whole scene through that. And then you had the mum, so she has a new mum. Uh, her dad's like remarrying, and that's why she goes to stay with her aunt, auntie because she's upset. How weird is the new mum? She just always shows her. She's in like slow motion with a scarf blowing in the wind for no reason. Yeah, and I thought she was gonna. I thought she was going to be evil, but it just, there was no reason. <laughs> no, I think there was no reason for the majority of what was happening in this film. So, um, Obayashi, he, this was his first feature film. So he had literally come off of commercial success. He was well known for making commercials in Japan. And a lot of the time, the budget for commercials was sometimes bigger than a movie budget. You're right. So, he had produced a lot of uh, shot, a lot of short films. Um, I've never seen any of his other work, um, but like what, the, like what the hell? Um, I don't get it I wrong. Loved... Every part of this was good. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I fucking love this film, and I, I'm keen to watch it again. Yeah, um, uh, it it heavily involves a cat. So there's a cat in it, and you'll see if you ever look any of this stuff up, there's, the cat is heavily in all the branding of this thing. And just whenever the cat's eyes flash green, it goes crazy. Like, yeah. But then there's some really, there's some quite, because these girls are quite young, there's, a, there's quite a bit of nudity in it, and I was a bit weirdly weirded out about. Um, did you find yeah. that, especially that weird swimming bit at the end when they're all swimming in blood naked? What? Yeah, that was a bit strange. I found that the nudity, because let's face it, it is a Japanese film. They do like to put nudity in it wherever they can. It it wasn't as much nudity as I thought there would be. Ah, uh, yeah. So um, like erotic I, ghost story. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a lot of what it was was not, like, they were sort of disembodied kind of floating boobs over here and legs over here and this, that, and the other. So it... For me, it was just like I was watching it and I'm like, oh, look, boobs. Yeah, yeah. Why are they there? Yeah, they're boobs. Let's not argue. The um the concepts of the deaths were crazy. I've never seen anything like some of these scenes. Um, some They were, they took you on a roller coaster ride of effect, and especially for the time, this was effect laden. There were visual effects, there were uh, practical effects, visual effects, uh, post effects, uh, stuff that, you know, you can tell they're just like, let's just, do it like this. Oh, we're going to chop fingers off. Let's just green screen the fingers off. And I thought it looked quite good for a lot of yep. the effects. Um, the floating head I thought was hilarious. It came out the well. I thought that was Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I I've, I've, I got such strong. So if anyone was to come and say that, you know, oh, no, Sam Raimi didn't watch this before. He did Evil Dead. You fucking lying. This, yeah. This had Evil Dead sort of written all over it and... 
I loved it. It's like even the bit where the the legs hopping around and then it like hops into the cupboard and then the it the cupboard opens up next and the it pops out and starts waving at them. Um, or I'm just so yeah, a cupboard will open <laughs> and just blood will just pour out. But yeah. it, and then oh, it's great. great. Um, what I do like about this film was that a lot of the ideas came from Obayashi's daughter. So she was a 10-year-old and a lot of the things were just like stuff that she'd seen in nightmares. So Is that- you, you think about the film from the perspective of a 10-year-old. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it, so does, that, it a, does look like the visual nightmare of a 10-year-old. Well, a girl does die from a bunch of mattresses attacking her. Yeah, that was... <laughs> which which yeah. was great. The piano scene was shocking. That was... I've never seen you, anything like that, eh, ever in my life. No, um, no. And what I liked about that was they hinted to it quite early on in the film. So she, Melody, who obviously is a musician, she's playing the piano and she's like, oh, it just feels like it bit me. Well, that's setting you up for something. Yeah. But um, anyhow, oh, it was such a great film. I, 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 everyone who is a horror fan should uh, – and every scene I watched and then I thought to myself – 1977. Imagine yep. people watching it back then. Like, yep. it, it would it have affected had, people. Yeah, and the thing was that they actually, so it was, they had started talking about it and, like, Toho had approached Obayashi about doing a feature film and they kind of wanted to have a blockbuster film that was going to rival Jaws. <laughs> and, I mean, you hold up House and you hold up Jaws and there is... Then, it's not even the same ball game. Like, yeah, yeah there's the nothing. Two films com- compared to each other, not even a little bit. Um, but because they were trying to get a lot of it off the ground, they actually had re release. They did a radio drama in 1976, as well as a one shot manga. Um, and that kind of gained momentum for the movie to get the, the go ahead. So, mm. yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I, I I gave it like I gave it four and a half stars. I was just Ugh. like I was go I was uh, my jaw dropped when I saw it. I was just like this is the best. Um, how have I not seen this before? How, um, and why hasn't anyone ever told me to watch this? Uh, but as I said, the the visuals always have come up, so it's only my fault that I haven't I hadn't seen this film. I'd seen it's always uh, coming up in my horror searches. It's always coming up in my web searches. Um. It's, it was, it's, always, it's always on those lists of, like, here's 101 horror movies you must see before you die. It's always in there, and it's always relatively high. Um, it's just not something that... I think it's been one of those films that I've never recalled it in a video shop. I don't think it ever, ever, ever came here. And I, I think that I, might have been the problem. I don't think it was ever had a, uh, a VHS release um, in the time. It may have had... It probably has a DVD release now. Um, I... It does, you, but you. It's not an Australian release. You can get it from the Criterion uh, collection. So they're an American company. They've actually just done this huge fuck off uh, Godzilla box set with amazing artwork. But if you don't have, you know, three or four hundred dollars, you ain't gonna buy that. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of sitting there. I'm on the fence. So like the exchange rate is pretty bad at the moment. But I want all those special features. <laughs> all those special things. Is um, it going to be worth it? I definitely like love to get some of those like uh, fan made posters for this thing. So good, yeah. Some of it, definitely. And, and the cat's name is Blanche. 
Blanche. Can we just can we just stop and focus on that for a second? The cat is named Blanche. Uh, the golden girl. Yeah. Ooh. Yes, it is, and I'm okay with it. It's good. It's good. All right. So I think we need to work out now what our next homework section is. I've got a suggestion, and I don't think you've seen it. Have you seen Beyond the Black Rainbow yet? I haven't watched it yet, but now is as good a time as any. So that's our next week. So next week we will be talking about Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, that's it, I think. I think we can. Uh, so let's just do a little bit of housekeeping. So thank you for uh, listening, everyone. I hope your horrorness yeah. is all horror-y. Um So you can catch uh, us on all streaming services out there. So SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes. We also have a YouTube channel. We also have an Instagram account at Terrorvision uh, Pod. You can check that. Basically, everything we do is this Terrorvision Pod. We even email. If you want to email us in uh, your love of movies, anything you want, any feedback, or if you hate us, do that. Uh, to terrorvisionpod at gmail.com. So, have you got anything to plug? Or is that all your pluggables? That's all my pluggables for now, I feel. Yeah. Okay, so this has been the Terrorvision podcast and, and signing off. And remember, kids, if you can't find a friend, make one.